Welcome to the Daily Boogie. everyone welcome to another edition of the daily boogie podcast thanks for joining us it's a pleasure to be back it's becoming a bit of a common theme isn't it it's, an- it's been another chaotic week i'm doing my absolute best to do this as regularly as possible and i'm definitely setting some things in place so we can get together you know i'm trying for at least four days a week and definitely setting some plans in place to make sure that that happens so we can get you a podcast as regularly as possible for those who enjoy it. For those who don't enjoy it, obviously, they're not going to mind <laughs> either way if we're here or not. But if you're here, then thank you so much for being here. Um, if you would like to increase your value as a listener, purely, purely capitalistic, of course, uh, please hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. And if you'd like to get involved in the conversation, hit me up on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. So today, the Google CEO Sundar Pashai headed to Washington, D.C. to answer questions from members of the House of Congress. Now, this was a long-awaited arrival to America's capital after Google snubbed the Senate hearing earlier this year into election meddling. Uh, Twitter and Facebook CEOs were present at that meeting. But reading from a Guardian article published earlier in the year, which will be in the show notes, everything's always in the show notes, Google, which declined to send its CEO, Sundar Pashai, or co-founder and Alphabet CEO, Larry Page, was notably absent, an empty chair and nameplate providing a constant visual reminder of the snub. The company sought to send its senior vice president for global affairs, Kent Walker, but was rebuffed. Quote, I'm deeply disappointed that Google, one of the most influential digital platforms in the world, chose not to send its own top corporate leadership to engage this committee, said Warner. Given its size and influence, I would have thought the leadership at Google would want to demonstrate how seriously it takes these challenges and to actually take a leadership role in this important discussion. It does make you wonder why the Google CEO was not willing to front the Senate, but was happy to show up in front of the House members, the House of Congress. Perhaps this is an indication of how Google views the two houses, two arms of the American government. Perhaps it is an indication that Google is more more willing to show up and field questions from House members that the House is changing hands in a couple of months' time rather than the Senate answering specific questions about election meddling as opposed to perhaps questions about bias and questions of a more general nature. But what we're going to do today is go over just a little bit of today's hearings, mainly from the start. We could spend hours on it, but time is obviously of the essence. And just a couple of interesting little tidbits that I found listening to the first hour or so, we're going to pull apart a couple of couple of things that were said during the hearings. 
So the first voice that you're going to hear, ladies and gentlemen, is that of Democrat Representative Jerry Nadler. Our society has become increasingly reliant on social media and other online platforms to obtain, create, share, and sort information. This information helps us make decisions ranging in importance from where to make dinner reservations to which candidate to vote for in a presidential election. The public's increasing use of these platforms has generated many positive benefits for society, but it, is, it has also given rise to some troubling trends. Google is among the dominant firms in this field. As such, given the public's widespread use and reliance on its products and services, there are legitimate questions regarding the company's policies and practices, including with respect to content moderation and the protection of user privacy. But before we delve into these questions, I must first dispense with a completely illegitimate issue, which is the fantasy dreamed up by some conservatives that Google and other online platforms have an anti-conservative bias. As I have said repeatedly, no credible evidence supports this right-wing conspiracy theory. I have little doubt that my Republican colleagues will spend much of their time presenting a laundry list of anecdotes and out-of-context statements made by Google employees as supposed evidence of anti-conservative bias. But none of that will actually make it true. But this fact-free propaganda does help generate the mistrust that the majority leader referred to a few moments ago. Now, Jerry started off quite well there, didn't he? It was a very, I thought, a very obvious statement. Our society has become very reliant on social media. Our society is increasingly reliant on Google as well. One may question, you know, the, the positivity of that reliance. I know that a few years ago there was a big push to get um, computers in schools. We need, to, we, need the t we need the children to be using computers as early as possible. Every child must be raised in a school environment with a computer in front of them. And then the strangest things started happening. The top schools around the world, including places like China, the UK, started taking the computers back out again. They realised that the computer, the heavy focus on computer work and computer skills was actually detracting from students' educational outcomes. Other things have been attributed to modern-day societies, somewhat of an addiction to social media, lowering of IQs, shortening of attention spans, literacy generally. I wonder how many kids could walk into a library these days and understand the referencing system, how to find a book. Do they even have to anymore? If everything you can wish to find is merely a few keystrokes away via Google or a search engine or social media, what about all the information that you didn't look for that you would find in a library? looking through an encyclopedia, reading a book. So as I said, the top schools around the world are starting to take the computers out. They figured out that actually reading and writing traditionally with your hands and your eyes and your brain was a net positive 
where computers were providing a net negative. But that's an issue perhaps for another day. Nadler then went on, as you would do if you were being a good debater in a debate, he then went on to mention issues like privacy, which are, of course, very, very, very serious issues. But rather than make the focus of his thrust about that very important issue, he sought instead to diminish the potential argument coming from the other side. That The term conspiracy theory, I think I heard in today's hearings at least 50 or 60 times, <laughs> any accusation of bias or untoward activity toward somebody of a particular political persuasion was merely passed off as conspiracy theory. You'll note Nadler's words there. I'm sure he, they're going to bring up out of context quotes from Google employees. This is jumping ahead of a potential argument coming the other way, which I, I'm sure was this, which I'm about to play you. Uh, this was footage that was captured by somebody and leaked of Google CEOs and founders, including the guy who was on Capitol Hill today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Remember Jerry Nadler, oh, a couple of quotes taken out of context from Google employees, like the guy who cleans the toilet, like the guy who stamps, like the guy who watches people walk into the front of the building, checks their security pass, right? That guy, the guy making coffee in the cafeteria, just Google employees, nothing to see here. But you'll see these are founders, these are executives, and the CEO <laughs> who was indeed in front of Jerry Nadler today speaking just days after, hours after Donald Trump was elected in 2016. Tell me what you think. Oh, this is probably not the most joyous uh, TJF we have had. Uh, just advise us all to be calm. So there was this massive, like, kick in the gut that we were going to lose. I think all of us would agree this election was particularly hard. Um, and, uh, you know, let's face it, most, uh, people here are, uh, pretty upset and pretty sad for, uh, because of the election. As an immigrant and a refugee, um, I, I certainly find this election, uh, deeply offensive, and I know many of you do too. Um, and, and I think it's a very stressful time. Uh, and it uh, conflicts with many of our values. Let's pause it there because that one's key. As a refugee, as an immigrant, I found this election to be particularly offensive. It conflicts with many of our values. Now, values was a term that the Google CEO referred to many, 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 many times when being asked about, say, potential bias against someone's ideology or for things, ladies and gentlemen, such as the definition of the Google's definition of the concept of hate speech. 
You see, we would we would never discriminate against somebody for their political views. That goes against our values. Our values. But the election of Donald Trump was offensive to our values. As one of the bosses of CEO said it himself. Not a conspiracy theory, not right-wing propaganda. Not words taken out of context from a mere employee. Actual direct quotations from the power players at Google specifically talking about an election, which something else that the CEO said, and we'll get to it, the CEO of Google today said, we don't, we don't get involved. We run, we run things in an unbiased fashion. We don't get involved in talks about elections and whatnot. Definitely not in any kind of partisan way. That goes against our values. Here's Sundar Pashai being questioned by Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. Chair recognizes the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Jordan, for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Pachai, in your opening statement, you said, I lead this company without political bias and work to ensure that our products operate that way. Um, Ileana Marillo is Google's head of multicultural marketing. Does uh, Ms. Marillo do good work? I'm not directly familiar with her work, but uh, she's an employee of Google and, you know, uh, we are proud of her employees. Well, you praised her work the day after the 2016 election in a four-page email she wrote about her work with the Latino vote. She said, even Sundar gave our effort a shout-out. Is she referring to you there? Uh, she was referring to my communication around uh, translation for a different related effort. <laughs> You've just got to love the PR responses, don't you? Was she relating to you there? No, she was relating to my work in an unrelated effort. Oh, okay, so not you. Shout out to Sundar. You know, if someone was going to give me a shout out for my work, shout out to Boogie Bumper. Oh, they didn't actually give me a shout out. They were giving a shout out to something I did, which is completely unrelated to the thing that they're mentioning in the email in which they're giving me the shout out, <laughs> obviously. I mean, we don't want to engage in any discredited right-wing conspiracy theory now, do we? <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to look at two other sentences she had in that long email, again, recapping her work in the 2016 election with the Latino uh, vote. She said this, we pushed to get out the Latino vote with our features. A few lines down in her email, she qualified that sentence, and she said, we pushed to get out the Latino vote with our features in key states. And she specifically cites the states Florida and Nevada. Near the end of her email, in a similar sentence, she says, we supported partners like Voto Latino to pay for rides to the polls in key states. With me? So I want to kind of analyze those two sentences. We pushed to get out the Latino vote with our features in key states. We supported partners like Voto Latino to pay for rides to the polls in key states. Is it fair to say the we in both sentences, Mr. Pichai, refers to Google? Uh, Congressman, uh, we, we, we are very concerned whenever there are allegations like that. We, we, our team looked into it. I'm not asking it. that question. I'm asking, is it fair to say the we in both sentences? <laughs> You've just got to love it, don't you? Does the we refer to Google? 
the if you were being asked if does the we refer to Google, the absolute worst possible way to frame your answer would be we take those allegations very seriously. <laughs> so who the hell is the we then, Sundar? Well, the we in that email isn't necessarily the we who takes the allegations of the email that you're putting forward seriously. We, that's a different we. We over here are not the we over there, even though she is, you know, a head honcho at Google who personally gave me a, a quote-unquote shout-out in this email. When she refers to we, she's not referring to we. But when I say we, I'm saying we. Right? Refers to the company Google. As Google, we wouldn't participate in any partisan efforts around any civic process, so you okay. know, I, don't, I don't think so. So this As Google, we wouldn't participate in any partisan efforts. We, we don't have any partisan bias at all. Of course not. Unless, of course, you're talking about the 2016 election. That might be a different we as well. That might be a completely different we. You see, as an immigrant and a refugee... I found the election very offensive, as I'm sure many of you did. It was offensive to our values. Our, we. Are you picking up on a trend here? Again, I I guess it's just conspiracy theory, just right-wing conspiracy theory. Maybe now we're starting to get a, a picture, an idea of why Google was so reluctant to front up in, you know, in front of the Senate all those months ago. Let's jump to a different part here, <clears throat> another right-wing conspiracy theory. That is the promotion of certain content based on certain things like ethnicity, for example. You see, the algorithm, it's all, it's all done by... Uh, you know, numbers and programs. There is no human element to what material ends up at the top of the search engine, for example. I'll, I'll let Sundar explain, uh, explain it to you for himself. Check this out. Manipulation of search results. I think it's important to talk about how search works. Um, right now, if you Google the word idiot under images, a picture of Donald Trump comes up. I just did that. How would that happen? How does search work so that that would occur? We provide search today uh, for any time you type in a keyword. Uh, We, uh, as Google, we have crawled, we've gone out and crawled and stored Billion, copies of billions of web pages in our index, and we take the keyword and match it against web pages and rank them based on over 200 signals. Things like relevance, freshness, popularity, how other people are using it. And, and based on that, you know, at any given time, uh, we try to rank and find the best results for that query. And then we evaluate them at the external raters uh, to make sure that uh, and they evaluate it to objective guidelines, and and that's how we make sure the process is working. So it's not some little man sitting behind the curtain figuring out what we're going to show the user. It's basically a compilation of what users are generating and trying to sort through that information. 
Uh, last year, we served over 3 trillion searches. And uh, just, just as a fact, every single day, 15% of the searches Google sees, we have never seen them before. Okay, so it's it's completely out of the human being's hands. If Donald Trump shows up as the first result under idiot in Google Images, then that's because, you know, a mass amount of people are constantly referring to Donald Trump as an idiot and putting that image into their blog posts, into their articles. It's a keyword that comes up with all of the crawlers and stuff. There isn't a little man sitting behind the curtain. During these proceedings, Sundar would explain to – that was a Democrat congresswoman, by the way. Sundar would explain during these proceedings that if you were looking for, you know, say news about the Republicans' tax reform bill, for example, that you would have to go maybe two, three, four pages in before you found something positive. And this is also put down to, well, it's, it's not us – you know we're not we're not manufacturing it we're not doing it deliberately that go, that goes against our values remember the values the values are very important that goes against our values we would never do that it's because of popularity because of freshness because of keywords it's completely out of our hands we wouldn't meddle in the search results like that that goes against our values so I was very interested to hear the answer to representative from Texas, Sheila Jackson Lee's question of Sundar, which I'll show you right now. It was an important statement. Um, my community is diverse. Uh, as you well may have heard, the Congressional Black Caucus has been working extensively uh, with Google and other search engines to recognize there are not enough individuals of diversity and African-Americans. Um, my district has a huge number of musicians, artists, and creators from all areas of entertainment. I'd be interested in what efforts are being taken by Google's platform, YouTube, to promote diversity and inclusion with its employees. What are the demographics of YouTube's U.S. employees? And also, how is YouTube currently distributing resources for U.S. diversity? But the focus is on diversity. What are you doing? YouTube is a great message, uh, and there is a whole population growing of diverse persons, including African-Americans. Diversity is an area where we are very committed to. YouTube, as you highlighted, is a platform where, uh, as we reach out to content creators, we want to ensure there is diverse perspectives, and we do reach out to minority communities, and we engage with them to make sure they have a voice on the platform. It's something we are committed to doing. As a company, uh, we, are, uh, we have been undertaking a lot of work. We were one of the first to publish a transparency report. We publish our uh, representation numbers externally. Uh, there is a lot more work left to do. We acknowledge that, but it's an area I know we have engaged with the Congressional Black Caucus, and we're committed to doing more. Let me invite you to Texas and the 18th Congressional District on these very important issues, and I'd like to work with Google as we go forward on some of the many issues that I've raised here today. It would be a pleasure to do that. So if the process is taken out of people's hands, if there isn't a little man behind the curtain, why is the CEO of Google admitting that they reach out to people specifically due to their ethnicity in order to promote them, in order to fulfill a quote-unquote diversity clause, in order to promote diversity? I found it amazing that Sheila Jackson Lee actually referred to people as diversity. 
She said, we have a lot of people now that are diversity. What? Isn't that an insult? If you are a non-white person in the eyes of Sheila Jackson Lee and in the eyes of the boffins down at Google, you, you are literally a statistic. What are, you, what are you doing to further engage diversity? Ah, oh, non-white people. Non-white people with their own ideas and their own creativity and their own works, their own music, their own outlook. You mean those people, those individuals? See, what we wanted to hear from the CEO of Google at that point is, hey, it's out of our hands. The way things get ranked on YouTube and ranked on Google has nothing to do with diversity. It has nothing to do with race. It's all got to do with popularity, freshness. Right? I thought that was the point. Why is YouTube reaching out to, quote-unquote, communities of diversity and engaging them specifically in order to promote them? I'm not against promoting people's work. Not at all. I want every musician, every artist, every speaker, every poet, every writer, everybody to have equal access to the marketplace. I mean, if there isn't a little man behind the curtain, then popularity will speak for itself. The most talented, the most interesting, the most enlightening, the most creative, the most inspiring. These are the sites that will rank highly. These are the videos that will get to the top. I thought there wasn't a little man behind the curtain. Why is Google working with the Congressional Black Caucus to go against their own quote-unquote values? What am I missing here? Perhaps we should finish off with Jerry Nadler, the guy concerned about right-wing conspiracy theories. It's all made up. He's only interested in the facts. He doesn't want conspiracy theories playing a part here. So let's see his reaction to the answer that he got when he asked uh, Mr. Sundar Pashai about Russian meddling. You know, you know the Russian meddling, the collusion in the 2016 election? The, the Russians, the what is it, like a dozen Russians that work for a catering company that took out ads on Facebook and Google that apparently convinced millions of Americans to vote for Donald Trump where they otherwise wouldn't have? That one? That fact? That truth? I mean, you know, we were talking about how Twitter and Facebook fronted up to the Senate earlier in the year. I, I, I've, played the, I've played the grab a lot of times. I won't play it again, but the... <laughs> the lawyer for CEOs, uh, the lawyer for Twitter, saying that they did an analysis and it was 0.0001% of tweets during the election in 2016 came from accounts in Russia. <laughs> that should be inspiring. Like, uh, if I hear that, I'm like, hey, I can win, the, I can win an election. 
all I've got to do is get 11 other guys, start a catering company, spend a few thousand bucks on advertisements on, on Google, and we're away. We've got our own Manchurian candidate. But let's hear what Jerry Nadler has to say. Let's let Jerry take us out here. And because, like I, like I said, he's very concerned about uh, these right-wing conspiracy theories, ladies and gentlemen. Regulators in that time frame. Okay, thank you. Now, according to media reports, Google found evidence that Russian agents spent thousands of dollars to purchase ads on its advertising platforms that span multiple Google products as part of the agents, the Russian agents' campaign to interfere in the election two years ago. Additionally, Juniper Downs, head of global policy for YouTube, testified in July that YouTube had identified and shut down multiple and shut down multiple channels containing thousands of videos associated with the Russian misinformation campaign. Does Google now know the full extent to which its online platforms were exploited by Russian actors in the election two years ago? We have, uh, you know, we undertook a very thorough investigation. And in 2016, uh, we, we now know that uh, there were uh, two main ad accounts uh, linked to Russia, which, uh, which, you know, advertised on Google for about $4,700 in advertising. We also found other limited... Total of $4,700? Two accounts? Two ad accounts? Has Google discovered the extent of Russian interference in the election? Well, yes, we had an extensive review. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't like they just picked out numbers out of a hat. You heard the guy. He said it himself. We had an extensive review and a thorough investigation, ladies and gentlemen. We found two ad accounts. <laughs> two ad accounts that spent a total of $4,700. The, the price of a medium to high quality used car. <laughs> This was the extent of the Russian manipulation campaign. Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> he, even, he even repeated it. I mean, if I'm Jerry Nadler and I hear $4,700, I just move on as quickly as possible. I, I don't want that number floating around out there in the ether. I don't want that number being quoted by people like me. <laughs> 4700 really 47 4700 dollars you say wow 4700 jerry i i thought we were against conspiracy theories weren't we jerry but before we delve into these questions i must first dispense with a completely illegitimate issue which is the fantasy dreamed up by some conservatives that google and other online platforms have an anti-conservative bias as I've said repeatedly, no credible evidence supports this right-wing conspiracy theory. I have Okay, okay. We don't like conspiracy theories. That's all just conspiracy theory. Tell me more about the conspiracies, Jerry. But we should not let the delusions of the far right distract us from the real issues that should be the focus of today's hearing. For example, we should examine what Google is doing to stop hostile foreign powers from using its platform to spread false information in order to harm our political discourse. <laughs> the real issues. The real issues, ladies and gentlemen. Well, 
I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. $4,700, two ad companies. Holy cow. Look at those hostile foreign powers. Look at the real issues. This perceived bias against conservatives, that's a far-right conspiracy theory. I mean, even when we hear the, this, the, the power brokers, the bosses at Google talking about elections, how offended they are, how it offends their values, well, they're just, they're just comments taken out of context. From lowly employees. That, that doesn't mean anything. That's just a conspiracy theory. It's not real. No. The real issue is how hostile foreign powers have been hijacking Google to meddle in the American elections. <laughs> and the real issue is... Perhaps, perhaps I'm a little bit cynical now. I tend to think that this little factoid won't be repeated very often in the corporate media, ladies and gentlemen. But it seems that the real issue was two ad companies spending (laughs) $4,700. And don't remember, this isn't a conspiracy theory. This was after a thorough investigation down at Google. A thorough investigation. This is the real stuff. This is the facts. This is the truth. Amazing, isn't it? And it's all out there for you to see. Do you think do you think people like Jerry Nadler are going to change their tune anytime soon? Really? Only forty seven hundred dollars from two ad companies? Of course not. Do you think anybody's going to make a point about how Google apparently can simultaneously have nothing to do with the search uh, the search function? yet work specifically with one group in Congress, the Black Caucus, to promote people based on their ethnicity. Of course not. We really are in a post-truth era. And whilst I'm sure the reports are already running now that the Republicans were embarrassing themselves and talking about conspiracy theories and bias... The reality is the absurdity of this menagerie was played out not only from the Google CEO, but the Democrats themselves. With that, guys, if you'd like to become a subscriber of the show, thanks for sharing, by the way. Thanks, everyone, for sharing the show. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a subscriber, hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. If you'd like to become a supporter, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. And if you'd like to get in touch, please join me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Till next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.